0: All right. We are live. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are here for another episode of the Authority Project. And I have my new friend here, Nicole Dickman. And she has, what does she have for us today? She has some big words for us today, (laughs) but they are powerful words. And we're going to help us, she says she's going to help us adopt elasticity to sustain our small business. Is that correct, Nicole? That is.
1: That is correct. And it's nice to be here. And other than big words, I think the message is that financials can really be fun and they can be a great tool that you can use as a foundation for your business. So learning to use them to your benefit is uh, kind of the, the thing we're going to cover today.
0: Awesome. And we're going to learn this today in the latest episode of The Authority Project. Yes. All right, we are back here and we are about to get set with some amazing content here. So Nicole, before we go anywhere, before we start anything, tell us who you are personally and then professionally.
1: Okay. Well, hi. My name is Nicole Dickman and I am a wife, a mother of 3, and a business owner and I live in Fort Worth, Texas with a bunch of chickens and have a lot of fun um, living kind of the farm life. So that's a little bit about my background. From a work perspective, I've made the transition from a long career in finance and accounting into business ownership and trying to manage all the ups and downs of that for the last six years has been fun with a lot of lessons learned. And that's kind of why we're here talking today to see if someone else can learn from some of the things that I've had to go through. Um, That's a little summary of who I am.
0: Awesome. And we're gonna dive right into everything. We're gonna dive right before we go deep, deep, deep. I know what this we're gonna do today. Hey. We're gonna dive into your backstory, the origin. How did you get started in in into this into this field here? how, how what was the story behind it all?
1: Okay, so this is kind of interesting because I never envisioned that I would be um, owning a business or trying to go through the adventure that's been the last six years. But after my fabulous tenure in finance and accounting, our company that I used to work for announced a huge acquisition that would be a huge project for me, along with a relocation initiative to move to a different state. So a lot of the team that had been together for a long time had declined, and that was a shame. We'd been through so much together. So I started Envoy, I hired the people who were not going to relocate, and we basically negotiated to sell our services back to our former employer in an outsourced model. So great, one day I'm in finance, and the next day I have to figure out how to, I don't know, run a business and do everything that comes along with it. Um, so that's sort of been the adventure that I've been on. The uh, I didn't ever see myself as a business leader, and now here I am trying to teach others from the mistakes and the adventure I've had.
0: That's amazing. It seems so. Th- that seems like a like a like a dream story. In the call, like it's like wow. I mean, but how 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 did you actually do that? How did you get through that transition of going from 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 that period of actually learning how to how to run a business. So
1: that's been a huge personal and professional development um, step <laughs> for sure. So I think the first thing is we're all sitting around kind of talking about that. It's a shame we're going to go our separate ways. We've been together for so long. We've had some amazing projects we've worked on for over a decade. And it kind of started as a little bit of a joke. Like, wouldn't it be nice if we could start a business and all of us <laughs> working together and wouldn't it be nice if we could keep the team together? And so it sort of started as a joke, and then it very quickly took hold. And I think the benefit we had was we'd already worked together. We could could learn from the mistakes that we'd made together and the things that we'd succeeded on. And so we very quickly said, here's the things we want to take if we do start a company from our past and bring it forward. And here's the things we want to use and change. And that applies to the finance, which is what we're going to talk about today. Because you've seen organizations use their money well and not so well, and when it's your own dollars on the line, it really counts. So, what are the things we want to do, and how are we going to structure it so that we can be successful as a small business versus being part of a huge organization? So, definitely a transition.
0: I love it. So, I want to let's get right to it. What what, what are we talking about with elasticity? Tell us the definition first before we get started because we have we have a whole presentation to go to to start here so what is what is the city
1: (laughs) oh you all know the big rubber band right you can it can go stretch and it can be contracted and it's basically being capable of change and ready to expand or contract and it's i think with everything that people have gone through in the last six months it's easy to see that um, that applies to a business. How can you contract and expand to be able to handle your business going forward? What can you do to set yourself up for success when change happens rapidly? And so this concept of creating a financial workplace that really adopts elasticity, which means you can change quickly, helps you react to what's going on around you better and quicker.
0: I love it. So are you ready to get, get this uh, presentation started here? Yes. All right. So if you're listening later on, this, we're, we're going to talk you through it. Uh, but we have this presentation here with, with some slides here. So we're going to get that going here. And there we are. So,
1: All right. There's another great visual, the slinky. So <laughs> if um, you want to go to the next page, there's kind of five steps that go with it. Oh, there's a rubber bands. First, you want to sort of deconstruct everything that you've thought of about finance in the past. And then you're going to work into, given what I need every day to run my business, how do I determine how to spend my money and where to make it the most flexible when my revenue goes up and my revenue goes down? Then we're going to talk a little bit about the zero-based approach is a nice word for a budget, which is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. And then once you've sort of figured out how you're going to spend your money, how do you keep it longer and make the most of it? And that's called liquidity. Mm. So that all together works into sort of the overall financial health. And we're going to do a few tips and tricks for each of these concepts next.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Let's go. (laughs)
1: Here we go. Okay. I love this. So people have a very old school approach to thinking about finance in general, We've always done it the same way. Our costs have always been the same thing. This is how we're going to need to move into the future. And I think this has shown us here in the last six months that we need to deconstruct everything. We need to analyze our relationships, whether that's with our vendors or our customers or our creditors. We need to figure out what's working well and what's not. We need to look at our processes. Are there things that are manual that shouldn't be? Are there things we're spending money to have automated? And we need to look at that further and improve on that. Are there things that are tying up our valuable time that we need to really work on to make it automated? So what processes aren't working optimally? And then the good old expenses and revenue. Hmm. Which ones actually support your revenue generating behavior? And on revenue, what are you doing that you could monetize that you aren't? Or that you could change how you're billing out to your clients so that you could capture more of the value that you're presenting? So really having a look at, what am I billing for? And what am I missing out on? Awesome. And I like this, this second one with, and stop me if you have any questions because I get sure. really hyped up on all of
0: it. Sure, you're you're going great. Go ahead.
1: Back to that traditional idea of finance and accounting. People kind of look at certain costs and you think that they're going to be the same, like we talked about. I call this cost behaving va- badly. So if you're producing a product, you kind of look at what your cost of goods are that go into your product. But then beyond that, what's really driving your operation forward and what are fixed costs or your sales and administrative costs? And are they truly fixed? Are there things that we can look at and say, I don't need to always think of them as a fixed cost and I don't maybe need them for my operations. I'm going to change how those costs behave. And the whole concept here is challenging the conventional thinking and getting yourself ready to look at financials as fun and powerful and a tool. So we can go to the next slide.
0: I love that. I love that because this. I think people a lot of people think that you know the costs are always going to be the same regardless of what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's so true. So I think a lot of business owners are looking at the bills that have come in this year, and they're looking at the money they've spent over the past year or two that they used to think was required and necessary to to run their business, and they are like, well. I have so much money to go so far, all of a sudden that doesn't seem as, you know, as required as it was before. So use that spirit of analysis and think about that going forward always and what is going to really work for my business and what maybe do I not need to do the same anymore? Exactly. Exactly. So you've done this deconstruction. And you've looked at your costs and you've figured out, you know, what are my fixed costs? What am I really spending? What really is important for my business? And the idea here is after you've deconstructed and analyzed, you want to find ways to make those costs as flexible as possible. And I call that variabilizing, say that five times, <laughs> <laughs> Variableizing your cost structure so that when your volume changes, when your revenue changes, whether it's up or down, you can more quickly adapt. What's going on around you? So you want to look at your actual expenses going out the door, but you also want to look at your workforce. And I know the workforce has been a super important topic on people's hearts right now because you have to figure out how to do more with what you have, or how to do without some of the people you used to have or the resources. So start to think about a few things on the workforce piece. If it's just you, how could you become more cross skilled? Are there things you maybe been out do have the capacity to take on? Or if you have team members, are you fully utilizing them? I like to call it upskilling instead of cross-skilling, which means taking your team or even yourself to the next level so that you can be even more um, successful and, and accomplish more in the time given. This kind of is another thing to look at. Can you have, do you have any positions that can be combined or do you have team members that can do multiple hats? We wear all kinds of hats in our business. And then um, really carefully analyze are there non-core functions that you're paying a full-time person to do that you can either merge with another role or find a really um, efficient and economical outsourced model.
0: So I'm going to stop you right there. So First of all, give me like an example of this because I, I see that last point you made, where you're merging positions, and people are like, "Wait a minute! I, now I got, I already had enough on my plate already. Now you're giving me two or three more hats to to work with. How does that work with the employee saying, you know, you know, I'm already, I'm already, you know, <laughs> you know, overwhelmed with what I already have right now? How does that work? Or is, is it just something that if you have the the loyalty of, of the of the of the um Employer, employee, rather that they know that this is what has to happened to sustain the business. How does that work? In your
1: but I think what you—it's ju- first. It's a great question. Second, what the point you just made um, about really going in big when you know you're going to sustain the business is important. So, it's it's good to look at the the person that you're working with to see what their capabilities are. I think as a small business owner, I get drowned in the day to day. And sometimes I forget it's sort of up here further in the bullet points. How do I upskill or train the people that we already have so that they are extra efficient? And when they're able to do their job better, there is a great personality type out there that's like, let me fill that gap in with something else. So is there an opportunity to do that? You have to weigh that carefully with Am I going to overwhelm them to the point where their work suffers? So knowing the sort of each of the team members you have and their engagement and their and how inspired are they to take on more effort and feel like they're contributing, that's important um, to do in totality so you don't overwhelm someone. But I love the concept of inspiring people to do more with what they have. So training and upskilling can be a really powerful tool for people to feel like they can do their job faster and better. Yeah, sure. If that answered your question?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, because because I, I, cause maybe sometimes people are happy to take on more work or, or more defined work or more upscale work, so it helps them out with their with their. Um, can, I want to say resume, but that's probably the, w- r- the wrong word for it. <laughs> or a <their> portfolio.
1: <laughs> true, and here's another one, and it kind of fits in with the deconstruction and the cost of behaving badly. When you analyze what your team members or yourself what you're spending your time on. Think about if it contributes to the bottom line or if it's something that you can automate. So there's a lot of transactions out there that we just do day to day because we've always done it that way and we don't have time to figure out a better way. Right. Take a moment to think if you're manually coding things, if there's things mainly going into reports, if you're starting from scratch every time you write a proposal, what are some automation tools that you can use and implement? There's lots of them out there that are super inexpensive. What can you do to free up time, and then what are you going to use that time on? That's the fun. You get to add something else to the mix.
0: Exactly. That sounds great. Okay, perfect.
1: Um, so back over to the left side. Sorry, I. Skipped. Okay, go yeah, go ahead. The cost structure. So you've taught, you've looked at your work force. You figured out if there's any opportunities to make them more flexible in total. So. um, Variableizing your cost structure is the other piece to that puzzle. I like to look at every dollar that goes out the door and think to myself, is this really a bill that's going to stay like this for a long period of time? Or is it something that I can change? And more importantly, can it change with volume? You see this a lot in the IT world or the subscription model world where they say, you know, per transaction or per hour or per something. And if you find the right solution that's uh, cost effective, you can figure out each bill is if I were to double my business tomorrow, how easy is it going to be to get double of this item or service that I have? Or if my business is in half tomorrow, why would I still want to pay the same bill that I was before? what can I do and what sort of a solution can I find so that when my business changes, my expenses change too. And I like to challenge that conventional thinking because people are again, well, that's my office, my rent payment, or that's my utility payment or my Mm -hmm. wireless, or it is what it is. Are you sure? I mean, (laughs) really think through it. I think this last six months is a platform for doing that. Are you really sure? And if change really comes and you're forced to figure it out, so let's, this, the whole concept of this is figure it out before the change comes and start to put some of those things in place um, so that you can flex faster. Got it. I love it. Ooh, any questions on that
0: one? <laughs> no, go right ahead. Sounds <laughs> okay. good to me. Yeah.
1: Okay, then we can go to the next one, which I love. Okay. Well, are you ready? Budgets are not a bad thing, they are a <laughs> good thing. Oh,
0: <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Uh.
1: again, again, challenging the conventional thinking, throw away that old, in 2019, I spent this amount of money on each item and just scrap it all. And Mm. before I talk about this, I want to go back to the story of when Envoy became a company. Um, We had the ability, and from a finance perspective, I knew what the IT budget was, right? I could have easily said, I'm going to plop all this money and all these these things that I knew about how my former employer did it, and I'm going to build a company around those same cost structures. Well, that would not be very smart because I can offer a different perspective and I have a different sort of company strategy and goal for what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, So for a budgeting perspective, then we took strategy first. And we adopted what's called uh, uh, the zero-based approach. And the zero-based approach is important because it throws away everything you've done before. And it says, right now, these are my goals. And this is every dollar that I need to spend to support that goal. So when you look at it that way, that the budget is actually permission to spend versus some sort of, you know, you're now cuffed and you can't, you only can spend this. It's permission to spend what you need. It sort of creates a freedom. And that's what we did back when we started Envoy. There were line items in there for things that maybe some people would think are unnecessary. There was um, you know, team building activities and all kinds of things that we wanted because we had a company strategy that said we want our team to be excited, motivated, and happy. Right. So what all are we going to spend to make that happen? And so it's permission to spend. And I think that's important to figure out that it's a good thing.
0: <laughs> great. So you do this every single year on the year, is that correct? Or every quarter?
1: Oh, that is months. a great question. For so every six months. <laughs> I personally believe that this has to be a continuous process. Oh. So if I were to have done a budget at the beginning of 2020 and thought I could have predicted everything that's happened and just stuck to the budget, Things like, will be tough right now. So yeah. it's a constant process. Every month you can take a look at, this is what I need to produce from a revenue standpoint. This is what I need to spend to do it. And it can change. Budget shouldn't be static. They should be a flexible tool to look at all the time and constantly reassess and analyze. I know that, I mean, and that's what makes it fun.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and I, think, I think a lot of people, a lot of big companies, um, big and small were caught off guard by this, by this pandemic this year. And I'm not exactly sure they, they're doing what you're doing with the zero based approach <laughs> to be quite honest. And I think right. they got, yeah. And they, you're
1: totally right. Yeah. You're right. Because it takes, um, it takes a lot of effort and it takes really aligning everything you're spending with, does it accomplish your strategy and it's not easy to do when you get really large and have a complex organization. But for the entrepreneur and the small business, to start those strategies now before you get really big and have that sort of be one of your core values is we're going to constantly strive to spend every dollar to match our company strategy. Then, as you grow bigger, you'll already have that down and
0: fabulous. Gotcha. Now, I like how you said your company strategy because I think. The point where you say permission to spend has to be based on something. so mm-hmm. i I know we didn't get into that or I'm not sure not sure if you want to get into that at all, but there has to be something based on why you're spending this, this, that, and the other. um tell me tell me wh- how you did it with your company as far as you know your strategy your is it a motto? is it you know something that you you know what 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 is it based on your permission to spend? Oh, ooh,
1: you're right. You mm-hmm. didn't cut me for that one. Someone yes, else. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it should be, right? That's how should be. So we started, right, we had 30 days from the concept that this was actually going to happen to creating a business model that included how we were going to invoice and bill our uh, former employer and all our clients. So it started with um, first... Our first mission was we are going to support this client, our first huge client, our former employer. And to do that, we have this many tasks that have to be performed. And those tasks, you know, have this many man hours that need to be performed. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to build out what I actually need to provide from a service perspective first. Now, and there was a little back and forth. Forth to this because I already knew the team member but now if you're starting from scratch you would say okay if I have contracts that require this level of execution how many man hours do I need to spend how much in proposal writing time do I need to spend how much customer service time do I need to spend is there a cost of goods sold to go along with that is there a warranty that goes along with that how am I going to cost my time out um where am I going to do my operations and um, what sort of technology do I need to provide it? So you start with that. I'm going to provide this. This is how I'm going to do it from a revenue perspective. These are all the money, all the dollars that need to go out the door to support that contract. And it's different from saying, okay, I just know I need to spend $3,000 a month on office space. Well, (laughs) how do you know why? So I don't know if that answered your question, but it started with, First, what is our what is our deliverable to our biggest client
0: right okay so starts with that right, I also wanted to know if it was something has to do with maybe you know this is who we are and then the last company I was in we had it was a place where we are this we are this this kind of company so we're gonna do this this and this because we are this kind of company if that has anything to do with it as well
1: oh it does are you ready for this one this <laughs> yes. is a good one okay. so um we were going along great things were Great, growing. We've expanded our service offerings. We've been in business uh, four-ish years. And a large client said, we're going to have to cut our budget for outsourcing. And the easy step, the easy thing would have been to say, okay, I can no longer afford the team members that were supporting that company. They're going to have to be let go. Well, if you go back to sort of our The reason we became a company to begin with, it was to keep the team together. So the idea of just letting someone go because it was the easy thing to do Mm -hmm. didn't work. So that's a question. I'm glad you reminded me of that. So instead (laughs) of doing that, we set money aside from profits and determined that we were going to keep those people on. We had a six month runway Mm -hmm. to basically have no revenue coming in to cover them. But we still needed to grow the business so that hopefully in six months we were paying for them and we were back in the black for that department. And so economics and budgetary approach would have said, you're gone on the revenue side, you're gone on the expense side. And that didn't align with our mission, which was we are and we're designed to be a company to keep the team together and keep a, like a focused um, environment on teamwork and what message would it send if you just let someone go the minute that you you know it was convenient? So our company strategy was we're going to keep the team together and we're going to make a run of it. And the zero-based budget allowed us to say, okay, this is the this is what we have to do in the next six months to build to the place where we need to be in order to support our team members. And two years later, we're still together. So I guess
0: something's working. Yeah, I guess so. Because I, I mean, usually, I mean, I got to be honest, I've I've heard. Even in my own story, I, I mean, I'm not too too far removed from being laid off. Um, in this time of pandemic, for myself, and it's it's it was challenging. It was 400 people that got laid off from my company. 400 yeah. people, and I've heard people calling <laughs> and talk, tell me they had to to dismantle their entire company, their whole startup. Had, they had to, had to had to had to go. So there was there was no. I mean, there was, there was, they tried many ways to try to cut costs here and there, but eventually people just had to go. Right. So does this work with big companies though? Or is it just something where it's more a small startup could could sustain itself? That's a good, that's a big question as well.
1: Well, so I think it comes down to your shareholders okay. and you have the employees and your clients and your owners or your um, stockholders, whatever you want to call, they're all shareholders in the organization and um, we're privately held. So as a privately held company whose owner believes the number one thing is to continue our mission of keeping the team together, Mm. it was okay to defer personal gain or profits in order to reinvest in the team. So that's sort of a politically dancey answer to say to some degree in our situation, it made sense because we were able to control and have buy in from the stakeholders.
0: I love that. That's it's it's unusual, (laughs) but I love I love to hear that. Absolutely. So let's get back to the zero based approach. Are we finished with this or we got more more for us here?
1: We might be able to come back to this in a second, but the topic you just brought up, I think yeah. works really great with the next slide. And it is something that um, definitely set us up for being able to make that decision in terms of we're going to take profits and we're going to set them aside and we're going to you know, pay for the team members that aren't billable right now. Okay. And it really had to do with liquidity. And how, what's your, what's your runway in terms of working capital? So for those of you out out there, working capital is you get money in from your customers. And then at some point you get, you have to send money out to your vendors and your employees. And how do you manage how much money you have coming in? How long you can hold it before you have to send it out the door and How many weeks or months of your business's expenses do you keep set aside, say in savings or a short term investment account? So that when your company does have trouble collecting on a huge contract or all of a sudden you have some sort of an issue um, and you have to be able to make it from one month to the next and you don't have the money coming in. Mm -hmm. How do you make it so that you're sustaining yourself for the midterm? And so the whole concept of liquidity, money versus money out, and having a cash reserve is fundamental. And going back to 2018, if I had just pulled money out of the company every chance I got and didn't have it setting aside for a rainy day, a very rainy (laughs) day, um, it would have been impossible to say, we're going to be able to do this. So we had gotten to a place where because of the ebbs and flows and collection of money and knowing how long it took. Having a strategy that kept b- money in the bank to cover the tough times made it possible to spend it when we needed it so that's the overall getting you excited about looking at liquidity yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I, I think I think it's very I mean if people want to bring it down bring it down to simple terms it's just like just managing money
1: yeah, it's just like at home but it's on a bigger scale, right. Yeah. You have to know what's coming in. You need to have a, an emergency fund and then a little bit of a fund that takes you beyond that. And here's some strategies that can help that we've used to help sort of get our working capital to cover more or a longer period of time. And the first one is um, really looking at your, at your cash, what comes in and what goes out. How long does it take you to get money after you've invoiced it? And how much longer after that do you have to pay people? Mm. And one of the things that we've done is reviewed our terms and conditions, and we have worked very, very carefully with our key suppliers to take advantage of some of the programs they offer. So very easy. We're an IT company. We sell a lot of IT equipment. Obviously, it takes time to get our customers to pay for that equipment. But in the meantime, we need to pay our distributor that we get it from. Right. So certain companies have some great programs and even more now uh, through 2020, where they will, for example, set up a revolving credit facility. So that's basically you have somebody you buy from, you have an intermediate bank, and for a very small fee, they basically pay on your behalf and you get longer to pay them. And so by doing that, hopefully if you've arranged your your terms and conditions with your customers well, you have the ability to get that check in the door before that third party requires you to pay them. So for example, for us, instead of having to pay for our equipment in 30 days, we pay for it in 60, it's like 55. So we get all that extra time to collect from our customers, which Mm -hmm. means we don't have to manage having that cash in the bank. So take a look at what options are available with your vendors and suppliers and figure out if there's programs that you're not taking advantage of that you can. And I'm just going to throw out there a shout out to tech data they are a huge, I think they're globally the number one distributor for IT products, but they offer programs like this, especially mm-hmm. for small businesses. Mm-hmm. And they help you set all this stuff up so that you can maybe take on jobs that are a little out of your range of money and still have a way to execute on them. And then look at your um, at your customer. Are there times that you can bill for a bank of hours if you're a service provider in advance? Are there ways that you can say, you know, I want, if it's a material or a product, X percentage down on order and the rest upon delivery? Are there different things that you can do with your customers that's still fair to both parties that allow you to have a little bit more cash quicker and be able to have um, the ability to pay your vendors when the time comes due? Uh, another thing that we've done um, from a service standpoint is we'll bill at the beginning of the month for the service month, and we used to bill at the end of the month, but we begin to bill at the beginning of the month. So by the time the check comes in and we have to make payroll for a lot of this, we already have the funds that are coming in, so that helps. You can also offer discounts for early payment, um, incentivizing your your clients and maintaining a really great relationship. That's a win win. That says I love doing business with you really love it when you pay me faster so let me do a <laughs> win-win so we can both yeah. be happy so right. just ideas to negotiate that we've gone through on our end any questions on that
0: yeah <laughs> no, this is this is wonderful I, 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 this is I think it's something that we definitely need to hear so yeah anything else on, on liquidity you have more on that
1: okay. yep so cash so now you figured out how do I interact with my vendors? And how do I interact with my customers? And what are those terms and conditions, the sweet spot, so that I can have as much cash as possible in the bank at all times? Then I think the next thing in, oh, I'm sorry, in the cash, I did talk about the credit facilities. But um, then take a look at here's my monthly expenses if my amazing zero-based budget holds true and I don't adopt it in the future. But here's sort of what goes out the door. And based on how long I keep my money, how many months of an emergency fund does it make sense to build up slowly over time? So to put that in really simple terms, if you're making this much money a month, let's say it's $1,000 a month, and you know that you have $1,000 of expenses a month, you're going to want to start putting maybe just 10% of your earnings towards having some sort of liquid savings. And then over time you build up this cash reserve that lets you get through the tough times. And I'm trying to use simple numbers and I don't think yeah. it worked out, but the strategy <laughs> is still the same. <laughs> that you're slowly foregoing just a little bit of your margin or your net income and instead making sure that it's liquid and you can access it if you need. Got and it. doing that slowly over time is important. Got and it. a lot of, I know that one of our strategies is to build that into our zero-based budget is knowing that if we can make money. <laughs> This portion of that money is going to be set aside to make sure we can cover our expenses in the future,
0: oh, and thanks.
1: so that's really important.
0: So let's go. Let's go to this, these last two quick ones, real quick. These next two steps.
1: Um. So I kind of talked about all of them at the same time. Oh, okay. Just make sure. Okay. Figure out your I'm terms sure. conditions. Figure out how you can access cash. Um, we talked about the credit facility. Um. Yep. And then figure out how you can slowly build. Have enough money in the bank to cover however many months of expenses that you feel is important.
0: Awesome, awesome. Okay. Is last it, oh, yeah, last next.
1: slide, and yeah. then I'll, I could talk about finance forever. I love I
0: know, it. No, I know. Okay, so let's 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 go ahead with this one.
1: So I'm going to summarize it really quickly, and it goes back to what you asked earlier. This is the, for, especially from a budget perspective. This is a constant, repeatable process. Deconstruct what you've done, figure out if there's anything you can change to make it more flexible, work that into your zero based budget, make sure you adjust your cash model to account for those changes, and then constantly reassess and and should be on the forefront of your mind. And you should flex it like any other muscle, like working out, you do it all the time. And um, I think that last statement, give give yourself permission to spend the money that your budget and your, your business dictates and look at finances overall as a positive tool and something to help you, especially when everything else is out of your control. Understanding your numbers can make you feel just a little more settled.
0: That's it. I love it. I love love that. We're going to break that. I know. Wow. So um, unbelievable. Um, Because I think that a lot of people will look at this and think that We're just going to look at our finances like every year or maybe every quarter, uh, every six months. right? i never heard of someone actually talking about doing it monthly. Is it monthly you're saying?
1: In an ideal state, I try to look at, so right now you can't see it. Obviously my home isn't in in my dining room table at the moment, my office is. (laughs) And I have a stack of invoices that I got in the mail and I know that I'm supposed to spend them, but that mentality is still, Mm -hmm. "Eh, are we sure? Is that really, is that contract up for renewal? Is there something I can do? It's a mindset shift for you to have those things that you look at and you sort of trigger. Can I do this any better? Does this still make sense? Am I spending every dollar to, you know, to move towards my strategy? So kind of a constant reinvention thing. Mindset.
0: I love it. I love it. And I have one last question for you. Okay. Well, I tell ex all of my all of my guests because you're obviously an authority in your field. I know we I know we talked about this before. You didn't think you were an authority. You obviously obviously are with this cra- with this with this slides with the slide and all the presentation. You know what you're doing. Thank you. People are here. They see you, Nicole. They say she's she's brilliant. She she knows what she's doing. She's doing some incredible things for the company. I want to be just like that. I want to do what she's doing. I want to be. I want. I want to be the next Nicole Nicole Dickman. <laughs> All right. I want to be the next Nicole. Right. What do I have to do to be an authority like you in this in this space? That's the question. Is, That's in the finance space. Yeah. Is it fifteen years of financial experience? Is it, or, or is there another another avenue and another route that you think that they can do right now, to to at least start? I would say.
1: Um, so I am going to say that is a huge <laughs> question. You did not prepare me for that, which is fine. Um, so there's more to sort of this approach than what we've gone over today. It's sort of an all encompassed questions that you ask yourself in an approach that you go through. We do have a free workbook on our website that is takes these steps and breaks them down into checklists. And again, it's totally free. We're not going to annoy you. It's just out there because This is important to us to help other businesses. Um, So to answer your question, working through that workbook, it's um, at envoyfsp.com, free download. Work through those questions. Dive into your numbers. Don't be afraid of them. Understand what it is that you're spending. But more importantly, whatever value it is that you're bringing to your client, start to learn is your revenue working? Are you billing correctly? Can are there things you're doing that um, you weren't do, billing for before that you can? It's really they, they don't want to become the best me, they are the next me. They want to become the best them, right? So it starts with knowledge and understanding all those dollars and cents, and then um, I love to suggest a nice budget that you look through. And you work with um, to really analyze what's going in and what's going out. But I think the number one thing is to not go forward with fear, um, to look at it as something that's going to empower you and to really dig in. I know that maybe the greatest. But that's, that's true. It is true. You got to start somewhere. I started somewhere. So everyone can start somewhere. And that's understanding what you're doing in your business.
0: I love it. Awesome stuff, Nicole. Amazing stuff. Great presentation. A lot of lot of um, lot of big words, but a lot of important words. A lot of important things to review, because I think a lot of people get into the business and they they simply don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they don't they don't know how to manage. It's it's, it's a fear a fear of risk uh, of, of risking um, um, and spending. There's a lot there's a lot of people who are spending a lot and don't know really how to manage it. So I'm glad you went through this with us. Uh, I think the audience is going to really take it in. And I'm so happy to have you here. I know it took a while for us to get together, (laughs) last minute, but we we got it together. So, can you tell us right now how how people can connect with you further to learn more about you and and teach, uh, you know, taught by you more?
1: Yes, um, I I think you have it on your screen. So if you text my name, and that's Nicole with a K, um, I believe what you get is um, all of my contact information. Um, how to email, LinkedIn, etc. And on the back, it's just got a few little fun teamwork ideas and thoughts that we've used to support our company strategy and therefore how we spend our money. Um, and then I'd love to interact with anyone who has questions because helping other people is important. I had a lot of people around me that fed into me and helped me learn how to do this. And so doing that to others is part of how I show appreciation for all I've been given. So you can always reach out. I'm excited to talk to you.
0: I love it. I love it. And for people who are going to be listening to this later, just to re- reiterate, um, text N-I-K-O-L-E to number 817-458-0202. That's 817-458-0202. There you go. And before you leave out of here for this, for this particular episode, please join us at authorityletter.com. We're in the middle of our eight week digital product giveaway. So we are giving away um, a microphone that I'm actually using right now, the fine, fine microphone with the pop filter. We used the, last week we gave away the gimbal um, smartphone stabilizer to help you when you're doing your mobile, mobile videos. This week we're having, we're upping the brands here to the Audio-Technica Studio Headphones. That we're giving away this, this week. So get on that. Go to the authority to get on that. Um, we're trying to um, promote the new launch podcast that's been going on. We're going crazy over celebrating. So celebrate with us and win a prize, one prize each week. And that is all. All right. Take care. Unless you have anything else for us to say, any, any last words of wisdom at all before we get out yes. of here. Go. Yes. Okay. And I should-
1: I said it earlier, but I'll do it now. So uh, one of the ways that I look back and I don't welcome uncomfortable scenarios, but I realize that most of the great things that have happened have been because of some sort of a crisis. And um, the approach I take with that is leaning into it and saying, okay, something really, really good is coming. I'm struggling right now. I don't know exactly what to do, but I'm going to figure it out. And I use sort of a triangle approach and I need a sound financial model. That's my mindset. But then I wait for my gut and my heart to align that says this, even though it makes financial sense, it's not until these two things are on board, too, that I make a decision. So with everyone out there that's going through uncertainty and questioning what it is they're doing I would like you to just take a moment and think of this. Maybe the jumpstart to something really great, and to kind of pay attention to not only the numbers and the logic, but your gut and your heart too, because it will may lead you somewhere awesome.
0: I love that. I love it. You heard it. You heard it here first, Nicole. That's amazing stuff. Uh, this amazing words was in there. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for coming on, and I hope everyone got a lot of that or a lot, a lot out of that. I know that I did. So, take care. And we will see you very, very shortly on the next episode of The Authority Project. Thank you.